Morning everybody. It's uh, good to be together again and um, um, I'm thankful for all of you. It's, it's week by week great to see your faces and to hear from you during the week and as it's opening up goes on we're really thankful that we're underneath uh, a God who is in control of all things and we really uh, we really look to him and we give thanks and um, been thinking uh, lately about uh, and talking a bit in some of our Bible studies about the kingdom of God and um, I, uh, I want to begin today with a passage uh, from John 18.36. Jesus was talking to Pontius Pilate actually, it's just before he was crucified and they were talking about authority and kingship and Jesus said this, uh, he, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might be delivered over to the Jews. That, sorry, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not from this world. Jesus uh, is the king of a kingdom. And we can't understand that kingdom the way that the world understands uh, a, a kingdom. Uh, it, it operates very differently, his kingdom. It operates on a different basis. It looks to different things to bring life, uh, to bring joy. Jesus' kingdom has a different hope. Uh, and it just operates nothing like the kingdom of this world. Okay, so Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is active in this world. It's but it is not, uh, it's not like the kingdom which is a perfected human kingdom. It's not of this world. It doesn't operate the same. So we're going to look today at Isaiah 51. And as we do, we're going to look at what this kingdom looks like. And we're talking about the subjects of the kingdom, the willing subjects of the kingdom, because there's some people who are under the kingship of Jesus who really don't want to be. Uh, they're not called Christians, but they're there. And I'm going to look, break it up into four places. The first is... This is a kingdom where the subjects of the kingdom live by faith and by the promise of God and they don't live by faith in this world. Secondly, it's a kingdom where the hope is not found in this world but in God's eternal new creation. Thirdly, a kingdom it's a kingdom that will powerfully and is powerfully breaking in on this world and we're included in that breaking in powerful action. And fourthly, we have a need to lift our eyes constantly to this kingdom. So we're looking really at Isaiah 51, and I'm going to start there, Isaiah 51 verse 1. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are cut, and look, or look to the quarry from which you are hewn. Look to your father, Abraham, sorry, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Listen, you people of God. It's only the people of God who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. So listen. 
Look to where you came from. Look to where look, and he pictures it like a quarry. Now I've seen um, a granite quarry down in South Australia near a place called Woodna, and they actually cut great big slabs of granite out of out of out of well, even bigger place of granite, and they cut it out in slabs and they take it, cut it away, and they and they cut it into whatever they make it out of bench tops and and things like that. And he's saying, look, you're you're a piece of rock. Look to where you have come from. Look to where you were cut from. Where were you cut from? Well, the first stone that was cut here was Abraham. And Abraham lived, as we know in, in Genesis fifteen six. it says, Abraham believed God and God credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham was a man of faith. We're told he's a father of faith. He began faith. And because he simply believed God, or because he simply trusted God, God counted him, or declared him, righteous. You are righteous before me, because you trust in me. And this, this kingdom of God that we live in, the first thing I want to say, it operates totally different in that it operates by faith, or by trust. Not in what we can see with our eyes, not from worldly power, but by faith. It's not a kingdom, you see. The opposite of faith is where you... You know, it's so easy in our lives to think. The way we act is we earn something and we deserve it. I, if I go to work and I get paid $20 an hour and I work for two hours, I've earned $40. That's basically what we have. And then you have these other people, they're called freeloaders, where they get given stuff and they don't do anything. How, how wrong is that? That's kind of how we say. That's, that's how the kingdom of this world works. But the kingdom of God is by faith and therefore it's by grace and it's undeserved. It's by promise. Because you see, God says, if you have faith in me, you, the kingdom will be yours. So the world operates its kingdom by earning, by deserving. But Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. It operates by grace. And every one of us has received grace by faith. When we have faith, we have received that grace. Not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but because God's promise is, when you have faith, I declare you as righteous. And we enter that kingdom in this strange biblical uh, thing, which is, you must be born again, which is really, uh, it's really different. it's, It's saying that, you can't kind of make yourself better. You have to actually be born afresh into the kingdom of God. So that means that, that not everybody is in the kingdom of God, or not everyone is children of God. You've got to be born to be children of God. You see, you have to have faith to get that righteousness that makes you a child of God, that makes you a Christian. So that's how we enter the kingdom of God, is by faith. And we're born again. When we're born again, God declares us righteous and we're wholly new people. And then, as Christians, how do we live? And Habakkuk 2.4 says, says this. See he, and he there is the wicked one, the evil one. See he, the wicked one, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by his faith. Now, That means that we live 
at every moment of our lives by faith. Every part of our life is lived in total reliance on God. That, what I'm saying is that's the nature of the kingdom of God. The, the subjects, the willing subjects of the, of the kingdom of God obey him as they live by faith in his faith. In, in, uh, in, in his promises, sorry. When you, relate, when you read of Abraham's life, he was the, remember, he was the first stone cut out of the quarry, and we're like that. He says, look to that stone that was first cut out. When you read his life, you'll see Abraham, I mean, he, he made his mistakes along the way, but as, as a whole, he lived by faith. He looked to God, he obeyed God, he went where God told him to go. He, look, he actually moved two or 3,000 k's away to a land that didn't belong to him at God's uh, direction. And he even believed that God would give him a son, even though he was 90-odd years old, and so would his wife. And uh, that last verse, in uh, that last bit in Isaiah 51 said, I blessed Abraham and made him many, as I'd promised. And that blessing was for, for children. It's obvious that Abraham couldn't do it. But he trusted God, he trusted in the one who could. So the first point is simply this. The, this is a kingdom, God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is a kingdom where the subjects live by faith and by promise. They enter the kingdom by faith and by his promise, and they live by faith and, and his promise. It's a, And they, they don't live trusting in the world. Part two, then, is it, it's, it's a kingdom... And the hope of this kingdom is not found in this world, but it's found in God's new creation, and God's eternal new creation, that is, the new heavens and the new earth. Now, I'll read on a bit more about Abraham, because I'm looking at Abraham again, I'll say it, because he is the rock we were cut from, and Isaiah says, look to him to understand where you are. Okay? In, in Hebrews 11, verse 11, it says this, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and him as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and countless as sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God. Uh, sorry, not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay, so what he's saying is Abraham trusted God and he looked to a different city, even though he was from Ur, the area of Babylon, and he moved to Israel, even that wasn't what he was searching for. In all his days, he was longing for a heavenly country, a new city, a place that was eternal. That's what he was longing for. In, in, in other words, 
we all, as Christians, we live in the present, obviously, and we do what's good and right, or we try to, but we know that that is not the kingdom that we're aiming for. There is, there is a kingdom... Um, you might have to... Yep, mute Rob. <laughs> um, there's a kingdom that we're aiming for which is eternal and it's in the future. Because, you see, if we live by the kingdom of this world, we aim to be top dog and uh, we aim to be the top, build our own little kingdoms. If we trust in the kingdoms of this world, then what we'll see is wars or trade wars. We've heard that a bit lately, haven't we? Trade wars. People using everything to their advantage with to bring about a kingdom hope in the kingdom of this world to rule, to gain power, to rule over others. And so we need to have a proper view of this world and our desire for the power within this world. Because you see, Jesus, uh, sorry, John said in 1 John 5.19, he says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now that is a huge statement when you think about it. The whole world, that's outside of the kingdom of God, outside of his people and their kingdom action in the world, is under the control of the evil one. So all those people who are seeking their own advantage and and having wars and trade wars and using all that they have to be the top dogs to gain power over others outside of the kingdom of God are actually under the power of the evil one. And if we view the world like that, I'm not trying to make you all cynics. This is, I'm trying to see that this is actually realism in this world. Otherwise, we will naturally look to worldly authorities to make or bring in the kingdom of God. And so therefore, the Liberal Party is better than the Labor Party because that's got a better kingdom. The Greens are better than... Well, they're not better than anyone, but they might be someone they think they're better than them. They think they've got a better kingdom. Okay. Okay. So, apologies to all Greens voters. Um, Trump is obviously better than Putin and, uh, and so on. What we're saying there is... This, there's this worldly kingdom, and if we can get the right worldly kingdom, we'll get it right. And what Jesus is saying is... No, it's not. The whole world is under the power of the evil one and my kingdom is not of this world. It's not that sort of power where one goes over the other. Otherwise, we'll end up wanting a church which is incredibly powerful in this world but is not actually on about the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we don't need another worldly hope or a worldly kingdom. We need the kingdom of God. Our hope comes from the God who knows what he's doing. I'll put that another way. Uh, we, it'll be great to get a vaccine for the COVID, won't it? But I tell you, our hope is not going to come from a vaccine. It's not going to come from science. It's not going to come from medicine. It's not going to come from a worldly kingdom. It's not going to come from anything we can do to keep ourselves safe or, make our, or keep ourselves from it. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. Our hope is not in this world. Because, you see, as soon as we put our hope in something worldly, the sinful nature within us, our flesh, it, it rises up 
And so John said in 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, don't trust in this world. Our hope is going to come from the eternal kingdom of God and the city he's built for us and not from this world. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be great when they find a vaccine, if they find a vaccine. That's good. But you see, in the meantime, or even after, our hope is not in that because that actually, that vaccine won't cause us to live forever, will it? Our hope is in the kingdom of God. So this is a kingdom, it's hope, which is found not in this world, but in God's eternal new creation. Now, sometimes people say, look, you run straight off to the, the distant future, going to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, and, and, and what about our lives now? What, we're on about our lives now, and the, the distant future, well, that's, that's for after we die. But what I say this is this, the future hope we have has to be firm first before we, can, we will ever put to death the hope we have in this world's kingdom. If we want to put to death the hope we have in this world's kingdom, you've got to see that eternal kingdom first. Otherwise, your hope will still be in this world. I'll, I'll say it again. The things that put to death our hope in this worldly kingdom is when we look to the ultimate restored kingdom, the new creation, the new heavens and new earth, the new Eden. When we look to that, then this worldly kingdom is put in its right place, and it's not at the top. So it's looking to his eternal kingdom that puts this world and its kingdom uh, as unimportant or as totally secondary. So in Isaiah 53 verse 3, sorry, Isaiah 51 verse 3, he continues, The Lord will surely comfort Zion, Zion is Jerusalem, where his people live, and he will look with compassion on her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. In other words, there's going to be a restoration to Eden, the garden of God. And the promise of that comes as we have faith now. We have a certain future. Uh, Even the thief who died on the cross, who was crucified next to Jesus, Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise, in Eden, in other words. In other words, there is going to be a restoration to the garden, and that is the kingdom that we ultimately look forward to. And in that place, there'll be no sin, there'll be no pain, There will be no viruses, there will be no disease, there will be no death. And the Bible, the history of God, is careering towards that new creation. It's heading there. That place where in Revelation 21 we hear, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his God, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
You see, it, it, this is the new garden, the new Eden, and if you read on uh, further in the last two chapters of the Bible, you'll find that this new city, this heavenly Jerusalem, this new Zion, is also the fulfillment of the garden. It's Eden. It's the place that we've always yearned to live. It's the place where we, we've always yearned to love and to be loved. That's where that will happen. That place where we've always yearned to have joy and peace and gladness. That's where that will be. We yearn for Eden. We long for it. And everything that we put our trust in, that is this world, that is not Eden, will end up being a very deficient replacement in the end. Now going back over where I've been. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith and promise. It's not, a, it's not a kingdom where our hope is found in this world, but in the new creation. The third point is, it's a kingdom that will powerfully break in on this world, and we're included in this king, kingdom action. So back to Isaiah 51.4, it says, Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. His arm means his strength, means uh, the, the strength of his, his arm. So these things are actually all about what God is going to do. He, he, he's going to bring his justice. He's going to bring his law. He's going to bring his righteousness, his salvation, his strength. He's, he is going to bring it to all nations. He will bring, and it says, it will be a light to those nations. His salvation will be a light. Now, we are actually included in that, and Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world. When are we the light of the world? When we're shining what God's doing. We're heralds. We are, we are the ones that, continuing on from Abraham, the one cut out of the rock, we are those who herald his goodness to the world and we bear witness to him as we live by his kingdom we are the proclaimers we are the ones who are a light to the nation and and jesus said we don't put our light under a bowl we put it on a hill where everyone can see it we and we walk in the light we we reflect his light to the world we we live by his kingdom principles we don't live as the world lives and we speak of his glorious kingdom and the hope we have in that i'll give you this is an example i'll start just by talking about children but it's it's like this children are not stupid i mean they they're naughty but they're not stupid uh, you know um as i said before you're not born a child of god you need to be born again in as a child of god okay and our ch- so that means that our children are actually not born Christians. They they actually have to come. They come to a faith of their own. They're born again into the kingdom. Now we, as if you're parents, our light shines to them first before anybody else, in a sense. And they, as I said, they're not stupid. They instinctively know. A child knows where the parents have their hope and their trust. They know that. That you can kind of, you can try and fake it. You can say, My hope is in God 
and then you know you spend all your time buying sports cars, they kind of know there's something funny going on. In other words, they instinctively know, even though their parents aren't perfect, they know that. They know where their hope and trust is. They naturally see it. Okay? And if, as parents, our hope and our trust is in the kingdom of God, in his future security, then that will be the light that we will shine. They will see that light. It's not that uh, they will definitely accept it. We don't know that. But they will at least see the light because they know. And if our hope is in the world, in our glory and in our abilities, in our possessions, in our own strength, they will instinctively know that too. And they'll actually look to this world to live by. Now, that's, that's children, and I'm not trying to put guilt trips on parents about children or anything else, but what I want to say is this. The people around us instinctively see that same thing. They see our light. They know when our trust is in Jesus and when our trust is in something else. They just know it, don't they? You can, you can say one thing and do another, and they know that's too. And then, and then they'll call you a hypocrite, which is what people often, they love to say that. But you see... Our light will shine, and the Holy Spirit, when, our, when it's the light of the kingdom of God, the light of Christ which is shining through us, the Holy Spirit gives power to that. In spirit and in truth, he takes that light and shines it into people's hearts. And so, as Isaiah said, the light goes out to the nations. What I'm saying is this, within the kingdom of God, the children of the kingdom shine his light to the world. And that's all of us, all of us who are born again into that kingdom. And it, it's important that we are always looking to his kingdom and not to this world, because when we look to this world, it's obvious. But when we look to his kingdom, it's glorious and his light shines through us and his nature shines through us and uh, the kingdom goes out through us. <coughs> the last point I'm making is simply this. We need to lift our eyes constantly to his kingdom. Isaiah 51 verse 6 says this, Lift up your eyes to the heavens, look to the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. In other words, lift your eyes to his kingdom constantly. Because that is a foundation for your life that nothing can remove. Keep lifting your eyes to it. Jesus said in Luke 21, he was talking about the end times, and he says, all sorts of terror will appear on earth. All sorts of terror. And uh, in, in other Gospels, he, he explains what that terror looks like. But just what all sorts of terror will appear on the earth. And he says in Luke twenty one twenty eight, he says, When these things begin to take place, these frightening things, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In other words, when the terrorizing things are happening on earth, when the fear comes, don't look at it, 
lift your eyes, lift your heads, and look to the redemption that is drawing near. It is coming. His salvation is sure. It will come to you. And, and as you look to that, you'll have an assurance, you'll have a security, you'll have a surety, a certainty, because your hope is in a kingdom which cannot fail, which will not fall. At the end of Hebrews it says, it cannot be shaken. Nothing can shake this kingdom. In other words, <coughs> keep your eyes on it, because this is the kingdom worth trusting in forever. I'm going to pray. Father, as, uh, as we consider this, we're, we're confronted with the fact that so many times we've trusted in the world. So many times we've put our hope in things that, that just don't carry through. And uh, also, we, we want to confess we've been bad witnesses to you, to, to those around us, to our families, to, to the world around us. And, and Father... We just thank you so much for the promises that you've made to us, that you've washed all of our sins away through Jesus, that by faith you give us your righteousness, you declare us righteous. We give you thanks for the hope that you give us as we see your kingdom, your eternal and perfect kingdom. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit to lift our eyes to that kingdom again and again that you would expose the things in the world that we put our trust in. And Father, that we would fix our eyes on the redemption that's drawing near through Jesus and uh, in all things that our trust would be in him. Father, we want to thank you for your grace and mercy that you gave to us when we deserved nothing, when we were sinners, where you loved us and you sent your son for us. Thank you for that. And we pray that we might live as examples of that kingdom, of that grace, of that mercy in this world around us as we shine your light. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.